I'm Nick Harcourt and welcome to another episode of The Sound of Success, the podcast where we talk with movers, shakers and just plain cool people about music. Today marks a little history for The Sound of Success. It marks our first episode with a sitting member of Congress. That's right. I guess today is California Representative Ted Lieu. Mr. Lou, who just happens to be my personal representative right here in California's 33rd District, has been serving in Congress since 2015 and before that was a member of the California State Senate. He's also served as a U.S. Air Force Reserve Command Colonel and is one of two Taiwanese Americans in Congress, having immigrated to Cleveland, Ohio, with his parents at the age of three. He has made issues like veterans' homelessness, immigrant rights, and fighting climate change, the devastating effects of which we've seen up close with recent fires and droughts here in California, cornerstones of his work in Congress. Congressman Lou, welcome. I'm so honored you're here. I thank you, Nick. I am honored to be on your show. Looking to talk about music in a, in a moment, but first up, we can't really ignore what's going on right now. I think as we record uh, this episode of The Sound of Success, all sorts of stuff is going on and breaking loose in Russia and uh, in Ukraine. You know, yesterday you told CNN that Mitt Romney was right when he said that Russia was the number one geopolitical foe of the U.S. How bad are things possibly about to get? Well, we do know that Russia engaged in a systematic and sweeping attack of U.S. elections in 2016. We know Russia continues to use cyber tools to attack our federal institutions and private businesses. And now they've invaded Eastern Ukraine. The Biden administration has announced a set of sanctions uh, against Russia, as well as the two regions in Eastern Ukraine, known as the LNR and DNR regions. If Vladimir Putin just stays there in the Russian separatist-backed territories, then it's bad, but not super bad. If Vladimir Putin decides to go further into Ukraine or go into Kyiv, for example, that would be super bad. And you'll see the full weight of sanctions from the Biden administration and our European allies. Now, obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a moving target. Things are changing uh, hourly, I'm sure, definitely daily as, as well. And you mentioned that if he stays where he is, then maybe the rest of the world can, can live with that, at least for now, in the same way that uh, we've lived with him, annexing Crimea and all, all that stuff that would happen, what, six, seven years ago? Um, if he does move on Kyiv, you say, obviously, that there's a whole bunch of sanctions that uh, will come into play. But what does that mean geopolitically if he does that? So we have imposed sanctions on Russia right now. So it's not as if we're saying this is okay. This is a blatant violation of international law of Putin basically declared these two territories independent. Uh, you don't get to do that. Uh, this is Ukrainian territory. Uh, at the same time, these territories were, in fact, controlled by Russian-backed separatists. So it is not as bad as it could be if you were to go into Kyiv and take over all of Ukraine. We hope he doesn't do that. And I just want to remind people that the reason the Soviet Union collapsed was not because of a lack of military might. It was because their economy was too weak. And I believe Putin is making the same mistake. Uh, there's no question you can militarily take over Ukraine, uh, but Russia has a weak economy. Uh, their GDP is actually less than half of California's. It's a non-diversified economy. They've lost 11% of their real disposable income between 2014 and 2020. And Putin has had to put in austerity measures 
So I don't see how trying to pacify Ukraine helps the economy in any way. Again, we should point out we're recording this on the 23rd of uh, February uh, 2022. So by the time you hear this, things might be a little bit different, but that's the perspective from uh, Ted Lou today. Uh, let's talk domestically uh, as well before we get to the fun part of the conversation with music. You were in the Capitol during the January 6th uh, insurrection, and you not only drafted the article of impeachment for uh, Trump, as you sheltered in place, you served as the impeachment manager for his second impeachment, not to be confused with the first one, although I'm already confused just talking about it. Are you surprised at the amount of seeming power he has retained over Republicans? Is it ever going to end? Do you think there'll be any consequences for him over his allegedly uh, eating classified documents and flushing them down the toilets? Can you believe this is real life? I'm glad you clarified which impeachment because the former <laughs> president was so bad that we had to have two impeachments. Mm. And no, I did not ever think that a president of the United States or former president would ever be eating classified documents. The allegations are in addition to eating classified documents, he also tried flushing them down his toilet and he also removed top secret documents to his private club at Mar-a-Lago. If anybody else did that, uh, they would be prosecuted. And so I hope the Department of Justice is looking uh, at these actions. And it is really uh, pretty clear now that the former president was and remains a national security liability. I mentioned the uh, January 6th insurrection and, and clearly one of the darkest days in American democracy. Were you afraid for your, for your life on that day? So I'll tell you what happened. Uh, they didn't want most members of Congress on the House floor because we're in the middle of a pandemic. So most of us were watching from our offices. And I remember about 20 minutes after the start of the proceedings, I started to hear a loud banging on the hallway doors. And I asked my chief of staff, what is that? And he said, I don't know. And the banging comes to our door and a police officer rushes in and he says, you need to evacuate immediately. Uh, so we go down five flights of stairs. We go into the tunnels to the next building over, which the police officer said was safe. And then I start looking at my phone and it's pretty clear that a mob is descending on Capitol Hill. And so we eventually, we make it to Congressman Cicilline's office. He lets us in, they close the door and then we watch TV like millions of other Americans. And at some point it became clear that not only was a mob descending on Capitol Hill, but that the former president had incited this mob. And that's when Congressman Cicilline and I looked at each other and we started to draft the article of impeachment and we worked the Congressman Jamie Raskin remotely as well. In that moment though, just to back up to, to the beginning of that question, obviously you've got a, a lot of experience with your service um, in the Air Force Reserve Command. Were you afraid? I wasn't afraid uh, because I trusted the Capitol Police and it seemed, at least to me, that there were a number of Capitol Police uh, in the hallways and uh, where we were. At the same time, it was freaky when one of them told me I should remove my pin that designates me as a member of Congress. Mm. And so that did give me some pause. As we know, the 2020 election was historic for so many reasons, including seeing typically red states like Georgia and Arizona turn blue. We saw a lot of younger people 
and people of color turning out to vote. What do you say to those people today after the voting rights bill failed to pass, for instance, who are maybe feeling disillusioned again? What gives you hope and what might give them hope, especially young people, when it seems like we just can't get a whole lot done? So the House of Representatives did, in fact, pass a number of voting rights bills, and I hope that they will turn out and continue to vote for Democratic members of Congress. I also note that the best way uh, to really fight back against voter suppression is to turn out and vote and to stick it to legislators who want to suppress your vote. And so I urge everyone to go vote, and that's how you take back democracy. Let's get to the fun stuff. We're going to talk about music. What's your first musical memory? So I first just want to give a disclaimer. Uh, my musical appreciation stopped in the 1980s. So just want to... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but my first musical memory... When did it start? <laughs> Actually, my first musical memory comes from uh, a TV show. I think I'm more of a visual person. It's the theme song to Hawaii Five-O. I remember hearing that and thought, oh, that's really interesting. And, and it just sort of remained in my mind. And that's sort of my first, I think, musical memory. It's funny, as soon as you say it, um, I, I, I can hear it in, in my head. And it's definitely one that was, a, was an earworm, wasn't it? What about music that was around you, though, as, as a kid? Was the music around you growing up? So my parents didn't listen to music that much. Uh, I started listening to music um, more on uh, the car radio sometimes. I'd sort of turn it on. And I don't remember exactly all the kinds of songs that I was listening to, but I remember one that definitely stood out to me, and it was uh, The Tide is High by Blondie. And when mm. I first heard that, I thought, oh, wow, this is really interesting. And I, I really liked that song, and it just seemed unique to me at the time. I hadn't quite heard anything like it. So that was the the whole new wave thing that was happening late seventies into the into the eighties. Um, did you buy music? Did you buy albums or CDs? I did. Uh, I bought cassette tapes, and I remember uh, one of the first cassette tapes I brought uh, was from Pat Benatar. It, I think it was called Best Shots. It was a compilation of some of her greatest hits at the time, and I really enjoyed her music. I still do. What other cassettes did you have in your collection as a, as a younger guy? Berlin and Blondie, uh, three Bs. Uh, yeah. So I, I enjoyed those groups. And, and uh, gr groups fronted, fronted by uh, very cute girls, I might just point out as well. Um, what was the first concert that you went to? It was Loverboy. Uh, that was the first concert. And I remember they sang their song, I think it was Working for the Weekend. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that was the first, my first ever concert. What, where was the show? It was in Cleveland. Do you remember how you felt be, being at a, a, at a live concert for the first time? And, and how old were you, if you don't mind me asking? It was early high school is what I remember. And it was super cool. I really enjoyed uh, being uh, at the concert. I remember everyone wore jeans. I don't know why that stood out to me, but... Uh, it, it did, uh, and it was, and I didn't understand that concerts had opening acts, and so uh, they had an opening, they actually had two opening acts, and so that was sort of cool that I didn't expect, and uh, I, I enjoyed the entire experience. 
What kind of kid were you at that age as a, as a, a young teenager? I was a total nerd. Uh, I would, you know, uh, play on my computer. I remember uh, when I got a memory upgrade on my Apple IIe from 64K to 128K. I was super excited. <laughs> so that's where I was. Do you, do you dance? And, and, and if you do, what, what do you listen to when you, when you want to dance? I dance very badly. Uh, like, like me. Yeah. I like you spin me rides around like a record. I think that's the title of it. By sure. Dead, dead, dead or alive. I think. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I like music that's sort of upbeat. It, it, you, you started off by saying that your, your uh, musical education stopped in, in, in the eighties, but the eighties is a full, full decade. Uh, we, we talk about the beginning of it with bands like Blondie and, and, and Berlin. Um, what other music did you listen to through, throughout that decade? And, and what was it about bands like, uh, Dead Can Dance and, and, and Berlin? Were you watching MTV? Were you watching videos as well? I watched some MTV just because they had the most outrageous stuff at the time. You'd see really weird videos. You'd see videos that didn't make any sense. And so at that point in my life, I found it all really quite interesting. In terms of sort of other bands, uh, that I listen to, I, my, my friends tended to like a heavy metal. And so because of that, I would also sort of end up listening to some of those bands like, like Poison, uh, for mm -hmm. example. Um, and even now I do have some heavy metal in my music collection. I'll listen to sometimes I'll play when I'm in one of those darker moods. When you're talking about darker moods, um, what do you listen to when you're feeling sad? I try to listen to happier songs. So I'll listen to, um, aha songs like take on me, for example, right. Um, things that are more, more peppy Thompson twins. I, I like their songs as well. Do you have a favorite music video from, from that time? And, and if so, why? I don't have a favorite music video. I remember sort of music videos that stood out in my mind. So, uh, the Michael Jackson videos, I, I like all of them just because he was an amazing dancer and amazing performer. Um, as a person, I think we know now he was a creep, but I think I thought his videos uh, were, were quite, quite well done. I think there was a video, I think it was Peter Frampton that his face moved all about, uh, with, uh, sort of the way they did it was very interesting. Um, if I'm getting that right, I think Peter Gabriel, maybe Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's all about the uh, video for big time. Yes. So I remember that just because visually it was very interesting. Do you have a, a recent musical discovery? And I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm not going to get an answer to this based on the, the basics of our conversation, but do you have a, a recent musical discovery that you'd like to share with our listeners? And when I say recent, it doesn't have to be a new band. It can be somebody that you've discovered that perhaps you weren't aware of in the past. So I recently discovered this song or maybe rediscovered is probably the right way to word. I may have heard it a long time ago, but nobody's fool by Cinderella. I think it's quite a good song. It's, um, something I will listen to uh, quite often. But you're definitely in that demo, I think, of music that is, you know, it's the 80s sort of, I don't know, it's like a glam hard rock thing, isn't it? It's like, because you mentioned Poison earlier on as well. 
And, you know, to, to me, those bands were very shiny, very bright, very shiny, very glittery. Of course, a lot of weird stuff was going on underneath with a lot of those bands, but you definitely seem to be attracted to shiny things. Is, is that, is that a, is that a yes. observation? Not a lot of substance, like Twisted Sister. <laughs> I have a story about Dee Snyder from, from many years ago when I was living in upstate New York when I first came to the States way back when. And um, uh, he was in a studio up there. And, uh, you know, you see Twisted Sister on the videos or, or whatever, and you think, wow, this scary guy. And he was such a sweetheart, lovely, lovely guy. Um, do you have a band or an artist that you love but feel they never quite got the, the big break that they deserved? I think they're cooters to me, fall in that category. I thought they had a lot of pretty good hits, like, um, and we danced, uh, and, and all you zombies, but they never received that made it really big for, for yeah, I think they had that, that one album, um, that had a couple of big hits on it. And, and then I think the, the main guy ended up going into, into producing, but that, that's a good call, Ted. I like that. Yeah. They had a, they had one album and then sort of di disappeared. Um, do you have a guilty pleasure? I, I mean, I, I feel like all your all your um, choices are, are guilty pleasures for, for, for some people. But huh. do you have any <laughs> do you have any artist or band in particular, or maybe even a song that you know you, you haven't shared with anybody that you'd like to you know release upon the public right now? I wouldn't call it a guilty pleasure, but I'll tell you something I do that I don't think I've actually told anyone other than my my wife. So I started after duty in the Air Force. I think you might find it ironic that I'm uncomfortable when I'm on planes because the emotional part of me doesn't understand how this big metallic thing is in the air. Um, and so on uh, takeoff and landings, uh, I will listen uh, to Christmas music. So I'll listen to, you know, the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. I actually quite like. So I think their song, uh, I think it was Christmas Carol. It is quite good. Um, actually everything by them. I like, I'll listen to, um, you know, various renditions of different famous Christmas songs, like, you know, little drummer boy and, um, things like that. So that's what I would do with plane flights. You, you heard um, it here first folks. It's, it's, it's an exclusive. I have to ask you why you think that is that you listen to Christmas music at those moments where you're perhaps a little uncertain. It calls me down. Uh, and I also love Christmas. It's a happy time and makes me have happy memories. And I uh, am calmer for whatever reason uh, when I listen to uh, Christmas music. Unfortunately, our time is just about up. Our guest has been Ted Lou who is a representative right here in California's 33rd district. He's a very busy fellow right now. There's a lot of stuff going on around the world. And I want to thank you for taking a minute to uh, talk to us about the fun stuff as well, Ted, and uh, just leave you with one last question, uh, which I always finish up these conversations with, and that is, how are you feeling right now in this moment? I feel optimistic. I know there's a lot happening in the world right now, uh, but if you look at, the major issue of the pandemic. We know that Omicron is declining very rapidly. More and more people get vaccinated every day uh, or they have immunity from a prior infection. So I think we're going to go to a place soon of very, very low case rates and hopefully we'll be back to normal and we can 
look at this pandemic and know that we have the tools to now manage it. Optimistic. That's a great way to end the conversation. Ted, thank you so much for joining us on The Sound of Success. It's been a real pleasure meeting and talking with you. Thank you, Nick. That was rad. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Sound of Success is produced by Elizabeth Thompson with myself, Nick Harcourt, for Spark Network. Our theme music is by Keita Klein. For more episodes, find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and at sparknetwork.com.